0: Dear friends, grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. I'm deep into a really good book by Daniel James Brown entitled Boys in the Boat. It's the story of the nine-man rowing team from the University of Washington that competed for the gold medal in the 1936 Berlin Olympics. I don't know much about the sport of rowing. But in addition to a really good story about some really interesting characters, I've been fascinated to learn about the combination of strength, precision, and concentration required for success in this sport. The slightest mistake by one of the eight crew members can result in defeat. Improper or technique can cause the oar to get stuck in the water. It happens in less than a second. This is called catching a crab and can even lead to the rower being tossed from the boat or losing a close race. Rowing is an incredible team sport, but it takes the complete focus and determination of each member of the crew. There's no room for taking in the sights as you glide along the water. And there's certainly no turning your head to see how far it is to the finish line. Jesus is like a crew of one as his face is set toward Jerusalem. His focus and determination make him hard to understand. It's time for him to be taken up Taken up to Jerusalem, yes, and also, as we know, taken up on the cross. The disciples, however, do not realize that the reason the Samaritans don't welcome Jesus is precisely because he is on his way to Jerusalem. They think they're being disrespected, and so they ask Jesus if they should, in effect, curse the Samaritan village. And Jesus quickly dismisses their response. It's time to move on to the next village and ultimately to Jerusalem. But Jesus is bringing the disciples with him. And along the way, he responds to their questions with one brief, powerful, focused response after another. One says to him, I will follow you wherever you go. To which he responds, You think so, huh? It may not be what you think where we're going. Don't you know that foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head? Another says, I will follow, but first I have to bury my Father. To which Jesus responds surprisingly, Let the dead bury their own dead. Another says, I will follow. But first I have to say goodbye to my family. Again, Jesus says something strange. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Each and every one of these terse, strong, direct responses from Jesus reflects the determination and immediacy of his purpose. He has shifted his focus to Jerusalem because that's where the temple is. The temple is God's home on earth, the center of the Jewish faith. There is no more important place on earth than the temple. Therefore, this new thing that God is doing through the one who comes to proclaim the kingdom of God must include, must pass through Jerusalem. And so it's as if Jesus says to the disciples, you can come along but you have no idea what you are in for. And Luke reminds us of something we already know, that this eventual engagement with Jerusalem and all its powers will eventually lead to the cross. The temple is in Jerusalem, and so is the cross. Here's a question. Can we ever really follow or come along with Jesus? So we follow Jesus to the cross, but then he does all the work. We just stand there, helpless, powerless, or we look away, or we run away. I had a friend named Al. He died a few months ago. He was one of those people that had a way of looking deep, deep into your soul. He was an incredible listener. He had a wonderful sense of humor, a twinkle in his eye. We had some great conversations over the years. Once in a while, I would say something like, you know, to be perfectly honest, and he would immediately interrupt me, go, wait, 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 wait. So does that mean that other thing you just said, You weren't being perfectly honest. He kept me honest. Now to be perfectly honest with all of you this morning, I really struggle with the cross. I hate the violence of the cross. I wish that the cross had nothing instead of everything to do with the reign of God. I think we as the church would be much more attractive and successful if it weren't for the cross. If only. But the cross keeps us perfectly honest. The cross cross forces, yes, force is the right word. The cross forces us to see the world as it is. The cross becomes a lens for truth-telling. The kingdom of God The reign of God is rooted in the cross. There's a a cost. There's a struggle. And what this means is that the kingdom of God that Jesus came to proclaim and died to accomplish is not somewhere else. It's not some other place. The kingdom of God is a vision for the transformation of this world, the world in which we live and move and have our being. It is accomplished for us by the cross and resurrection And yet, we look around and see that this redemption is not yet complete. It is strangely now and not yet. It is strangely present and future. The reign of God comes in Jesus and yet, it is still unfolding. I first met Judy on a Sunday morning, and then there she was again on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. I saw Judy just about every single day of the week, except for perhaps Saturday when she was working and I wasn't. She was a retired music teacher who was going to save the world by teaching children to read one child at a time she'd meet with these children in the neighborhood mostly in the schools but you also might find her sitting in a corner at the church where the English Learning Center was located she lived near the church she didn't have a car she walked everywhere she refused with a snarl to accept a ride from anyone so people lived in constant fear for her safety She was very demanding of her students. She would tutor any child or adult English learner, for that matter. But if they didn't do their work, she didn't waste her time, and she would tell them she didn't have time for them. She was old school. She told me one time that she spent about 50 hours a week in one-on-one tutoring sessions, and that didn't include the time she spent writing and directing quirky children's musicals at the church which she used as a fundraiser for the Heifer Project. I couldn't be Judy, not in any way, shape, or form, but I'm thankful for her as a participant in God's unfolding reign. Being a follower of Jesus means being secure in the promise of what has been accomplished We share in the eternal promise of Christ's death and resurrection. We can be honest. The cross keeps us honest about the reality of suffering and evil in the world. But we are also hopeful. And so we can be engaged in what God is doing in bringing about a new future. In people like Judy, in you, and in so many others, the reign of God comes a little bit closer. Amen.